super, super exciting. Um, we are, wow, it got really quiet. Yeah, usually, yeah, usually announcements don't have something this exciting attached to it. But uh, the Family Church is going to have their own kickball team this summer. If you're stoked and you want to sign up for it, uh, Adam's wife, Danielle, has the sign up. Uh, if that's something you're interested in, we'll be, uh, we'll be a part of eight games starting in May. She has some more of the details, but she does have the sign-up sheet. So some play football, some play basketball, some people swim, but guess what? Some of you are going to play kickball, uh, and that, I'm, I'm one of them. Like, let's go. Let's do this thing. Let's have some fun. So if that's something you're interested in, please see Danielle for more information, okay? Uh, popcorn with the pastor is next Sunday right after service, so think about inviting somebody to the family church so they can hopefully and maybe catch on uh, to, to Jesus, number one, but also uh, catching on to the vision of, of what the family church is all about. So that's next Sunday. Keep that in mind. And also the Leadership 101 Home Group has started as well. Uh, the next meeting is Wednesday, the 13th of February. So there's no meeting this week. Is that correct, Pastor Adam? Okay, no meeting this Wednesday, but next Wednesday we have that meeting, and it's going to be every other Wednesday after the 13th um, from 6.30 to 8. And as always, you can give via our red box in the back by giving online or texting. Can we pray this morning? Let's go ahead and do that. We trust God and believe God to provide uh, for the vision of this place. God, we are so uh, incredibly grateful for who you say that you are. God, we believe that you never change, that you always stay the same, that you're the, the same yesterday, today, and forever. God, we, uh, we hinge our lives on your faithfulness, on your goodness and your grace, and we, we thank you for allowing us to be in this place together as one body. Thank you for uh, the way that you bless us, whether it be financially, uh, but so much more than that, God. You, you continue to show yourself faithful to us, and we're thankful for that. And now, God, we just uh, lean our ears into what it is you have to say this morning, and it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Before Adam comes up, I want to challenge you guys. Can I do that? Are we cool with that? So the last few weeks, I've heard this repetitive theme as I've sat here and I've worshipped, um, where Jesus is reminding us that we're not alone. Does anybody need to hear that, or is that just me right now, that you're not alone? And the more I listen um, and I talk to new people in the church or people I've already known, we're going through some stuff, and there are people really struggling. And I found that when we go through battles, that that's when we often feel the most alone, when we feel like we don't have community. Sometimes we feel like we don't have community. And I want to remind you before he speaks that this, this place is the family church because we want to represent that Jesus is always with you that he fights for you and that you are not alone. And I wanted to remind you too, I had a, a friend in Pennsylvania this week reach out to me. We moved three years ago. I have not spoke to them uh, in quite a while. And they reached out to me with some pretty devastating news. And they felt very, very alone. And I didn't even tell anyone, hadn't talked to anyone. And I look over at my six-year-old and she had drawn three pictures that perfectly represent what this family was going through. The Lord was speaking to my six-year-old on behalf of this family who felt so alone. So when you feel like you're alone, the Lord is working on your behalf. He is calling those warriors, even those children downstairs, 
to pray for you, to intercede for you. And I want to remind you of that, that you can't see it all. You're not alone. And I want to read this scripture over you before um, Adam gets up. And as he ministers what Jesus has to say to you, remember that he is speaking to you. It's not Adam. It's not me. It's not Andrew. It's not the worship team. It's Jesus. You are not alone. He is speaking to you. I'm going to read this scripture. This is what my daughter drew this week. It's Isaiah 61. The spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives, and release darkness from the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord favor and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort those who mourn, that's us, and provide those who grieve, to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, that's also us, the oil of joy instead of mourning, and a garment of praise instead of the spirit of despair, that's us. They will be called oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord for the display of his splendor. They will rebuild the ancient ruins and restore the places long devastated. That's us. We go, and with him we restore. They will renew the ruined cities. They have been devastated for generations. Strangers will shepherd your flocks. Foreigners will work your fields, and you will be called priests of the Lord. You will be named ministers of the God. You will feed on the wealth of the nations that he has provided and their riches you will boast. Instead of your shame, you will receive a double portion. Instead of disgrace, you will rejoice in your inheritance. And so you will inherit a double portion of your land, and everlasting joy will always be yours. You are not alone. Joy is yours. Amen. Let's just take a pause here. And uh, I was going to ask uh, for us to pray for somebody today, and uh, we'll just we'll kind of incorporate this as a as a group. Um, most of some of you know Richard Allen, uh, super cool guy. Uh, he's on our board and and uh, has become a good friend to me, and takes really good care of, of our church. Uh, processes all of the giving and stuff. And he had open heart surgery on Friday, and I uh, had two bypasses, and he's in a lot of pain, and I've. Uh, a couple of us have been to see him. Really appreciate another family stopping by. They're feeling the love. But I got a call from Maryland this morning that his kidneys aren't working, and uh, that's kind of a big fear as you get about three days out from open heart surgery. So he's going to have dialysis today and hopefully jumpstart these things. But uh, so we're going to pray for Richard. But uh, on this word, I really appreciate um, Chrissy being obedient and asking to share that this morning. That's we want to be we want to be right in the moment with what God wants to do with us, and we want to make room for that. If you would just, we're not going to embarrass you, and and hopefully it doesn't embarrass you just to raise your hand. But if just where you're at, if if what Chrissy shared this morning speaks to you, you're walking through something, and uh, one of the greatest lies is that you're alone. It, it, it's it's crippling, and uh, that can happen inside of a marriage. It can happen inside of a family. It can happen. You can be surrounded by all of these awesome people today, and you could feel all by yourself. And so if you're facing something like that today, would you just raise your hand? And then the other thing I want to ask is if you're nearby one of those people, I want you to, I want you to lay a hand on their shoulder, just touch their shoulder. I want them to feel that somebody else is walking with them. Can we do that? Put your hands up this morning if you need prayer this morning. 
Let's go to the Father. Father God, we thank you. God, we thank you that you have gone to a lot of trouble to, to walk with us. God, when Jesus, before he left, he said, I'm going to send, the Father's going to send another. And, and the word for Holy Spirit translates to one who walks alongside of us. And so, God, your, your whole point in, in sending your Son is that we would have this encounter and understand that we can walk with you. And there's an old hymn that says, he walks with me, he talks with me. And, and so, Father God, first of all, I want them, these people, your people, to feel the Holy Spirit evident around them and in them at this moment. So, Father God, move in your power. And secondly, Jesus, I pray that they would see themselves as part of a family, as part of the church, not just family church, but your bride, your church, the one that is, is so important to you that you have done everything to provide for us. And so, God, I pray that, that hearts would be touched in this place today. Father God, we lift up Richard to you. Father God, we speak to these kidneys. Father God, we speak that they would operate as they have been designed by you to operate. And Father God, we ask you for a full recovery. And Father God, we're in a territory that the doctors have raised their hands in the air and said there's nothing we can do. And so, God, it's your time to get the glory. It's your time to heal. It's your time to move. And we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. He's so good. And it's, it's, it's so good to take a, a moment inside of a, of a planned service and, and be obedient to what God wants to do. Um, so we had a big birthday in the house, uh, in my house uh, this week. My beautiful daughter, Hope Ann, turned 17 years old. And so, uh, so cool. And, uh, and it's just those kind of moments, you, you're happy for the kid. But then it's just one of those another smacks in the face that reminds me of, of how old I am and, and that time is just moving. And, and it's like I just want to hang on to it and slow it down. And, and I think birthdays, especially, you know, milestones that, that uh, we might have, you know, I crossed the old 40 bump a couple ago and, and uh, it's like, oh, that, hurt, that one hurt a little bit. And, uh, but, you know, I'm still cool, right, guys? And, uh, and uh, yeah, nothing more insecure than a pastor, man. You got to watch out for us. And, uh, and so... But it takes those moments, and especially your kids crossing milestones, and, and we just came across the new year. Now we're into February, and, and we get this little glimpse of hope that maybe spring hasn't forgotten us, and uh, maybe we've forgotten the whole new year's kind of grind. But it's these times that make us reflect. And, and even for those moments that I, I contemplate, my daughter turning 17 and, and, uh, and things like that, is, is God... What's going on in my life? Am I, am I where I'm supposed to be? Am, am, I, am I doing enough? And, and, and you look back, it's like, man, I thought some other things might have happened by now. I, I thought there'd be a red Corvette in the driveway about now. And, and I'm just kidding, but not kidding. And, and, and so, you know, we look at these moments in life and, and we evaluate where we're at based on the expectations that we had. And what do we all want to know in those moments? And go way back to Saturday Night Live. Am I good enough? Am I smart enough? Do people like me? Uh, you know, am, am I on course? I'm glad two of you laughed at that. That is, that is some good old school funny SNL stuff. Am I on course? Am I on track? Is my life going towards something that matters? Am, am I in the process of leaving behind something that's going to stand longer than my life? Is, is, is this... Am I okay? Am I doing what I'm supposed to be doing? And this is good stuff. This is actually biblical. And I want to read to you our, our theme verse for the series out of 1 Corinthians. 
chapter 9, 24 through 27, it says, Don't you realize that in a race everyone runs, but only one person gets the prize? So run to win. All athletes are disciplined in their training. They do it to win a prize that will fade away, but we do it for an eternal prize. So I run with the purpose, with purpose in every step. I'm not just shadow boxing. I discipline my body like an athlete, training it to do what it should. Otherwise, I fear that after preaching to others, I myself might be disqualified. So here's the Apostle Paul. He, we give him credit for a, a large portion of, a, of our Bible, most of the New Testament. And uh, he'd planted multiple churches at this point. He had had a personal encounter with Jesus. I mean, this guy had ticked all the boxes. And here he is praying a prayer like this that says, I, I just don't want to be disqualified. I want to keep running. I want to keep running my life with a focus that, that knows that I'm going somewhere. Does that speak to you guys this morning? I, we crossed these milestones like a new year. And so here's the deal. We have a problem. Tell your neighbor you got problems. Look right back at him and say, you got problems. My goodness. Here's our problem. You might end the year with a few less pounds on your frame. You might end the year with a few more dollars in the bank account. Like you make these changes and you want to kind of, okay, I'm not on course. I need to do this. I need to get healthier. Oh my gosh, I might actually have to retire someday. I might actually need some money to spend. Oh my goodness. And so you make these course corrections and, and maybe you get to the end of the year and some of those things have moved. You've moved the needle maybe one way or the other. But the problem is, is that we still feel stuck. We still feel like we're in the same mess. Here's a phrase that I believe is our default as humans. It's if I change blank, then this will happen. What do I mean by that? If I lose 10, 20, <clears throat> 30 pounds, uh, I might actually get a life insurance policy that doesn't cost $1,000 a month. If I do this, or, or if I change this relationship, my life will get better. Why do second marriages have just as much trouble as first marriages? Don't laugh too loud. Why? Well, I've known people, and I've, I've, I've known people have been married a few times, and their kids will say, well, they keep marrying the same person. <laughs> right? But what else is really going on? They're the same person. So, so we go through these situations. How many relationships, how many jobs, how many diets, how many churches? Let me hurt some feelings there. Uh, how many hobbies, how many plans, how many things will we have to change before we get the results that we're looking for? Here's the deal. Most resolutions don't change who or what is at the center of your life. We naturally resist the pain of change because we get to this end of the year and we say, we didn't change. I still feel the same, except my knee creaks a little louder. What's going on here? I, I made some progress here, but I lost some ground here. Why didn't we change? We naturally resist the pain of change and if you've ever been on a diet, guess who is your greatest saboteur? 
yourself. And I've talked about this. I've talked about just, just trying to move forward, and, and, and you want the prize. You want to look forward down, to the road, down the road for something you're working for or something you're trying to get to, but your, your natural self, the moment something else seems more attractive than what you're running towards, right? We can never forget that there is also an enemy working against us. Now, you can't blame the enemy just like you can't always blame your thyroid or something. I mean, at some point, you got to eat less and work more, okay? I'm preaching to myself, but let me tell you something. There is also an enemy working against you, and he is okay with whatever you want to keep in the center of your life as long as it isn't Jesus. And if you want to build up a bunch of gumption and you want to run through the year and you want to make losing weight your idol instead of the refrigerator your idol, he's okay with that. If, he, if, he, if you want to change this relationship for another relationship, but as long as Jesus doesn't come any closer to the center of your life, he's okay with that, right? So here's the thing. Do you feel the resistance, both external and internal, when you try to make a move towards discipline absolutely absolutely every time here's the deal if we're not careful all we do is redecorate our prison cell and the devil is happy if you put a nice therma whatever type of bed in there that that has the numbers and massages your back he doesn't care what you need to stay in that cell. He doesn't care if the walls are pink. He doesn't care if the carpet's shaggy or if you've got beautiful hardwood floors. He doesn't care as long as you stay behind the bars, right? Something needs to be done that the average resolution can't fix. Greatest, one of the greatest speeches of all time, if not the greatest, Martin Luther King Jr., he does his I Have a Dream speech, and one little part of it stuck out to me as I was writing this message. He said, we're not happy moving from small ghettos to larger ghettos. What's he talking about? You don't know. You didn't grow up in the ghetto. Anyways, what's he talking about? He's saying, I don't want to just move from one jail to another jail. I want real freedom to happen. I want something real to change. Are you at the place in your life where you don't want to just keep repeating the same thing and get to another milestone and say, gosh, what do I really got to do? It's exhausting. This stuff wears us out. We need to get rid of the blank in that statement. If I change blank, then my life will get better. If I change the person that's sleeping in the bed next to me, my life's going to get better. If my bank account number changes for the positive, my life's going to get better. If my kids would just, for the love, do their homework, my life would get better. And it would a little bit. We need to get rid of the blank. And it's if I change my life can get better. Colossians 1.27 is our reboot. It's our, it's our default status. It, it's, it says, Christ in you, the hope of glory. 
We were designed by God to have Him in the center of all that we do. All hope for real glory in your life and in my life will come as a result of Christ being in us. Everything really good. Now here's the thing. This is more than being a good person. I've heard this before. Um, I don't need to go to church to be a good person. That's true. Church isn't really what makes you a good person. But I can also tell you that staying out of church won't make you a good person. And actually what I can tell you is that you could never become a truly good person. Now you might become somebody a little more polished that people don't mind carpooling with or sharing a cubicle with or, or being neighbors with. They might just think you're great. But what the Bible says is that there's something rotten on the inside of us. That there's something going on in our soul that we can't undo on our own. That no matter how many, how many uh, ounces or, or quarts of blood I give or however many checks I send out to, to, to hurricane victims or no matter how many soup kitchens I work in, no matter how many driveways I plow for the church or no matter how loud I sing at church, there's nothing I can do to undo the, the damage that's in my soul that is separating me from heaven and that is rotting me from the inside out. I can put a good front on if I really want to. But all hope for real glory in your life and my life will come as a result of Christ in us. Get this. Glorious riches are on the other side of Christ being in the center of your life. Am I talking about cash money? Nope. Now you may become wiser with your money by becoming uh, by by putting Christ in the center of your finances. I I believe the blessing will follow that, but but this will never be a place that teaches uh, name it claim it or whatever else like that, and that God is just this big ATM machine or whatever else. No 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 no. Glorious riches are on the other side of Christ being moved to the center of your life. What am I talking about? I'm talking about the fruit of the spirit. And I can't, I don't think I can rattle them all off, but we'll go love, joy, peace, patience, kindness. Oh, that's a good one. I need, I need that one. Gentleness, self-control. Those are, those are the result. Those aren't things we force to happen. I can't just concentrate really hard and, and all of a sudden I'm going to be kind. I'll just look grouchy. And I might just get a headache and be grouchier. no. That kindness, that change is not going to come from me changing external things, although sometimes I think we can uh, change our environment. It can change our mood, but I'm talking about changing me. How, how does that happen? Can I change me? I can't. I, I, can, I can discipline myself to do different things, but, but what I'm really setting myself up for at that point is for the Holy Spirit, for Jesus to change me from the inside out. Those that have walked with me longer than a few days have, have, have seen God work in me. And I've seen God work in other people, even as we've grown in this church over the last five and a half years. I, I've seen God change people. It, it's what we're here for. Glorious riches are on the other side of Christ. Do you want peace? I, I do, desperately. I, I've been around houses that have no peace. It's, it's, uh, it's, it's crazy. It, it, you don't, 
there's there's so there's so much unsettlement that that nobody knows like everybody lives on edge and and you've either been in that situation before or you're familiar with it and and I can just picture entire homes that I've been familiar with where the whole thing is just this volatile craziness and there's there's no peace inside of it we're coming up on Valentine's Day does anybody like love little candy hearts I like the chocolate we love love I love me some love but it's going to be as a result of pressing into Jesus or nobody's going to really want to love me I might get some pity out of some folk but love is is the is a fruit love is a result of of Jesus, the lover of our souls, filling me, filling my heart. And, and once I can rest in him and know how much he loves me and my identity becomes so that I don't have to go looking for it in everybody and I don't have to squeeze the identity and squeeze validation out of every other person around me and I can just know that I'm loved by Father God, know that I'm a child of God and all of a sudden I'm just free to love people. I'm not looking for it so desperately out of people because it's come out of a result of a relationship with the King of Kings, with the God who created me. These things are fruit that come out, and if we want the fruit, we have to put God in the center of our lives. And here's the really, really good news. God wants this to happen. He loves you. He wants you to have this. He, there's no market on it. There's, there's, no, um, there's no favoritism here. It's not, oh, Adam's a pastor. Of course he can have a more peaceful home. No, we, we've had to work for that. And it ain't always peaceful. Things get crazy. But over the years, we've pressed into the Lord and what he has for us, and, and, and we have more peaceful days than crazy days. That's, that's kind of what, we, that's what we're looking for. No, I don't have the market on it. This is available to every single person that will put God at the center of their heart and of their life, of their home. I want to read to you today. God wants to show us how to do this. This is a little longer passage than I usually I read, so I'm a little nervous that some of you will nod off or start checking, you know, uh, pregame stuff on the Super Bowl or something. But give the Lord a few minutes here because this is, this is red-letter stuff. This is Jesus talking to us. You're going to hear a few familiar phrases in it, even if, you're not a, if you haven't read the Bible a ton. But I, I want you to hear Jesus speaking to you. I'm reading Matthew 6, 19-35. Matthew 6, 19-35. Let my eyes find the little... There it is. Don't store up treasures here on earth where moths eat them and rust destroys them, and where thieves break in and steal. Store your treasures in heaven, where moths and rust cannot destroy, and thieves do not break in and steal. Wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will also be. Another translation says, wherever your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Your eye is like a lamp that provides light for your body. When your eye is healthy, the whole body is filled with light. And when your eye is unhealthy, your whole body is filled with darkness. And if the light you think you have is actually darkness, how deep that darkness is. 
Wow. No one can serve two masters, for you will hate one and love the other. You will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and be enslaved to money. That is why I tell you not to worry about everyday life, whether you have enough food and drink or enough clothes to wear. Isn't life more than food and your body more than clothing? Look at the birds. They don't plant or harvest or store food in barns, for your heavenly Father feeds them. And aren't you more, far more valuable to him than they are? Can all your worries add a single moment to your life? And why worry about your clothing? Look at the lilies of the field and how they grow. They don't work or make their clothing, yet Solomon in all of his glory was not dressed as beautifully as they are. And if God cares so wonderfully for wildflowers that are here today and thrown into the fire tomorrow, he will certainly care for you. Why do you have such little faith? So don't worry about these things, saying, what shall we eat? What shall we drink? What shall we wear? These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers, but your heavenly Father already knows all your needs. Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously, and he will give you everything you need. So don't worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will bring its own worries. Today's trouble is enough for today. Wow. I looked at that, I'm like, Man, I don't know if I can read like 16 verses. God, they'll go to sleep on me, and I just couldn't shorten that. Did you hear some real familiar phrases, even if you haven't read the Bible a bunch, some, some ones that stick out? That should bring peace. You've you got to know that that's what God wants for you. He wants you to rest in Him. He wants you to trust in Him. He wants you to know that He can take care of you. I can't visit somebody in the hospital after open-heart surgery if I don't believe that. Right? I'm not just there to make somebody feel better about themselves. I, if I don't have something real, I'm not going. But what I can take to somebody like that, what I can take to somebody who's, who's going through hell on earth, is I can say, God sees you. You might not know it. And, and you might not know what he's doing but he actually is really capable of taking good care of you. Some of these phrases that stick out to me, verse 21, where your treasure is, is where your heart is. What do you care about? What's at the center of your life? And, and I've talked in weeks past, I really appreciate uh, Andrew's word last week about just our, a reminder of who we are, our, our identity as salt and light. But where's... We're talking about putting Christ at the center. What's in the center of your life? It sounds noble and even romantic that I would put Danielle at the center of my life. I heard this phrase at a, at a conference I was just at, and it, and it said, how many relationships have fallen apart because of two people trying to squeeze the Jesus out of each other? Dude, I wish I could preach like that. What do I mean by that? It means that she can't save me. She can support me, but she really can't be my Savior. She can't be my strength. Those sound good in song lyrics, but she's another person. I'll do anything I can for her, but I'm going to fail her. My kids, well, guess what? They grow up and get married and go to California, and they take their baby with them. <laughs> Don't you dare put your kids at the center of your life. I'm not bitter. 
Don't you dare put your kids there. Your job, it's there to help pay the bills. Don't you put that job at the center. No, 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 no. That center of your life is, is only reserved for one, and anytime something else is in there, you're going to wonder why things aren't going right. That space is for Christ. It's for God alone. Where your eye is, that little verse in 22, where, when your eye is good, the whole body is healthy. We're talking about our center. We're talking about what are your eyes on? If the eye is healthy, your whole body's healthy. Met with a pastor friend. Uh, he's a mentor. And uh, he held out his hand, and we were talking about just, you know, ministry and, and, and navigating some things. And he held out his wrist. He said, he said, I've got scars. He said, but there's no infection. So I'm good. The scars are there. Bad stuff has happened to me in ministry and in my life. But God has healed me. I'm not dragging around infection anymore. So when we allow God to heal us, when, when, our, when our eye's good, when our heart's good, when Jesus is at the center, then those things don't st- keep a hold of us. Too many pastors have, and people have just gone by the wayside because bad things have happened to them and, and they just get beat up and beat up by other people and they just tap out. Verse 24, you cannot serve both God and money. That verse has been flipped around and preached a thousand different ways. It's basically just saying you can only have one God. And in verse 33, which is the key to everything, is if if you seek the Lord first, He takes care of everything else. And and if we put our eyes on everything else first, then, then we mess up this thing with God. And did you hear it four times in verses 25, 28, 31, and 34, this wonderful little phrase that nobody in here believes or thinks is just insane? Do not worry. Friends, that might be the hardest thing God has ever asked us to do. Why? Because we are some funny little people. Like, we stay up and just worry about stuff, right? How's this going to happen? Man, ooh, do, do, right? Here's the thing. Everyone has been given three things. And I think they're kind of interchangeable because you have to trade one for the other. Time, talent, and treasure. Number one, time. Number two, talent. Yes, you have some, whether or not you think so or not. And three, treasure. And if you think about that, you have to kind of trade, you have to exchange those if you want more of one or the other. If you want more treasure, you better go to work, right? But you just traded away time. And this is like, this is adult 101. Like, this is aggravating stuff, I know. If you want to get better at something, it costs you time. If you want more time, then you're not going to be making any money, right? So you have all of these things and the interchange but we've all been given these three things and we can either spend a lifetime saying god i sure wish you'd have given me some more talent or god i sure could use some more treasure and we've all prayed lord i need more time i'm a procrastinating fool i barely graduated high school y'all dealing with the delinquent up here i hated that stuff 
get to the last day before a test or you're studying the period before and it's like, I just need one more hour. Yeah, you've known about that test for two weeks. Now I'm a dad. I get these things. We've all prayed for more time. We've all prayed for more talent. We've all prayed for more treasure. But you've essentially been given this one lump sum of all three. And we have this to deal with. And here's the point of today's message that, that, that God wants to speak to today. He wants to hurt all our feelings on this. We tend to give him the leftovers in all three categories. I'll go to church if it fits this week. I'll put, let's see, what do I got for the red box? Well, looks like a whole bunch of nothing. I'm walking right on by it. Time, well, God, you understand. Why do we do this? It got real quiet in here, by the way. Talk about Tom Brady for a minute. No, I'm just kidding. We tend to give God the leftovers in all three years. Here's the thing. All hope for real glory in your life and my, my life will result as Christ being in the center of those three areas. And so this is like every other big thing in our life that, that we've got this truth and we have to look at ourselves in it and say, what do I want to do about it? What can I do about it? Let's move him to the center where he belongs. What does this look like, maybe? Uh, let's look at it in your time. Um, I, I wish I had more time. I, every week, I'm like, man, that, how's it Sunday tomorrow? You know, this is crazy. Well, I had the same seven days everybody else did, right? There's a reason why the calendar used to start with Sunday. And there's a reason why it's still kind of viewed that way in the church is that you're starting your week giving it to God. And so this is one area where I would encourage you as families. We've, uh, church uh, was something that like everybody did every Sunday. And then like we've had this like this mass exodus of the church. And then it's either something that you do or something that you don't do. But I can honestly tell you that all of us fall into this pattern out there. Some of us are every weekers unless, like, unless somebody's throwing up. And then please stay home, okay? I mean, I'll lay hands on you through the phone. And uh, I'm just kidding. I'll pray for you. But then there's the, okay, we're going to come three to four weeks a month. And then there's some of y'all are the two to three years. And then the, some of y'all are the once a monthers. And then we all know the Creasters, the Christmas and Easter crowd, right? <laughs> you like that? You all know a Creaster, don't you? <laughs> Tell them the next time. Say, you're a Creaster. I found out what you are. Here's something you can do this year. God, I, I want to make, I want to put you first. You're, you're on the calendar before everything else. That's, that's something we can do. Now, something that, that, that helps me is I try to start most of my mornings. I listen to the Daily Audio Bible app. I love it. It's a, it's a podcast. And, uh, and, and it breaks the Bible down, and I get this 20-minute Bible reading and Bible study. And, man, I just I listen to that on the way to work as I'm honking at people. And, and uh, 
it helps me stay calm, actually. And, uh, and so just take my drive. And the other day when it took 45 or no, an hour and 10 minutes to get to work, I got to, I was behind a couple days. I got to catch up on three days going to work. And, and so, but that's a way for me to put God first in the day. So basically, there's different ways that, that you can go out of your way to say, God, you're first in my time. Think about the people that are in your life. Would they, do they know that God is important to you? Well, this is one of the most significant things we can give away as people is our time, you know? And, uh, and this church only operates and functions because of the generosity of, I mean, we've got like 70 people or something that are rotating out of our, of our volunteer schedules. That is fantastic. We've got a really high percentage of people that help. But that's another way that you can, that you can put God first on your calendar. Two, talent. I want to wrap this up. Two, talent. What's that look like? Well, I don't have much talent. Well, use what you got. And this can go both ways. This means to take God with you to where you're working. Why would he, exe- why would he not want 40 hours of your week to just be, to, to not affect the kingdom of God? I, now, now you got a job to do, but, but there's ways that you can encourage people and build the kingdom of God and, and, and love on people where you're at. I believe that. And then you take your talent to where, where there are needs at. So things around the church. So thankful there's a couple guys that are they're, they're starting to wire the basement. A guy that goes to another church is helping to wire our basement. How fantastic is that? And he's an electrician. He wants to do it. He's given his time to God and, and wiring our basement. I hope he knows what he's doing, you know? But uh, no, he does, he does. Number three, he knew I was going to talk about this. Treasure, what are we talking about? There's a reason why we do the red box in the back, a a real important one, and and I'll just tell you. It's because I never want anybody to give their leftovers, and I don't want anybody to feel guilted into that box. And so it's one thing we do. i most of my friends pass the plate. This is, not a, this is not a stone that we throw at other churches, okay? It's not, we do this better than you. No. This is part of the vision that God gave me for this place is that nobody would see a plate coming down. Most of us don't even carry cash anymore anyways. And, but that nobody would see a plate coming down the aisle and go, oh, I better, I better do something. And somebody brought me here to church today, and I better at least put something in there. But then the other side of that is, is then you're just kind of, Check in your pockets to see what you have, and it falls into that leftover category. But make no mistake that just because we don't make a big deal about it and in this big uh, event of it during the service on how important that box is or giving online or whatever, there's freedom in your finances by putting God first in them. And so what I would rather happen, and the reason why we've done it this way, is that you're going to say, man, this is the Holy Spirit, by the way, talking, you know, this isn't what he sounds like necessarily, but if you're, if you're feeling like, I should, I, I really want to give. That's it. Say yes to that. God, what do you want me to give? Believe it or not, he'll tell you. And, and if you look over at your, your, your spouse, or, or, or they'll say, what are you thinking? Danielle and I have usually come up with the same number when we're like, God's like prompting us to give someplace. I want the money that it goes into that box to be where somebody says, I know that I'm supposed to give this and I choose to obey the Lord and I'm putting it in the box. Do you know how awesome that is? God blesses that. He's meeting our needs as a church. I'm never going to manipulate as far as money. And if, if you ever think I do, come whack me over the head because we don't need to be desperate about it. 
God wants to meet the needs through the obedience and the generosity of His people. And so we don't need to, to, we don't need to browbeat people into this. But I want you to understand, and God wants you to understand, that, that until you put God first in your finances, you're not going to have freedom in them, no matter what the bank account number looks like, no matter what the IRA looks like, no matter. It, it's just not going to be there. And so here's what you can do there. If, if you're in a family, if you're, if you're married, you say, I, I feel like God wants us to give. And I'd like you to pray about it. I'm going to pray about it. And let's, let's make a plan. What are we supposed to give this year? And do it first. Dave Ramsey's one of my heroes. He's helped so many people get out of debt. Even when people are just about bankrupt, guess what he puts at the top of all of their budgets? The tithe. He knows it's part of freedom. He knows that there's no freedom without it. Isn't that awesome? And so I just want you guys to know that this is God loving you. He, he wants you to be free. And even if you, just so you know that I'm not manipulating, here's proof. If you want to try it, give it to another church for all I care. I want you to be set free. I'm serious. Write a check to C3 or Grace or Trinity or somewhere else if you want to try it for three months. And then, but here's the other thing that's going to happen. Somebody tell them who started tithing what's going to happen the first month they try to. Something going, something's going to go wrong. Something's going to test your resolve. And then you're going to say, That's, this is what we agreed to. I'm trusting God for the other side of this. And you start marching through. Anybody who ever tithed for more than six months of, their, of your life, raise your hand if you wish you hadn't have done it. it was a trick question. I've got some hands up. Danielle and I, this, is, this has been one of our disciplines. We haven't always gotten this right. But, but most of our married life, and, and, and it's my promise to you as your pastor, is that, that we, we do tithe. And, and we have watched God move in our finances and has always met our needs. Always, always, always met our needs. And, and let me tell you, I didn't, know, I didn't know where the answer was coming sometimes. Do you want to be on track in 2019? I don't want to miss anything that God has for me. I want to get rid of the blank on an if I change blank, then my life will get better. This series is all about if I will change. This is, a, this is a man in the mirror moment. This is, oh my goodness, I need to do something different. I want to put Christ at the center. I've got these three great resources. I've got my time, my talent, my treasure. What can I do to put Christ closer to the center at all three areas? Can we pray today? God, I thank you for the freedom that's in you, God. God, this isn't about this isn't about beating people up. This isn't about making people feel bad. God, this is about setting people free. And God, I think that people need some hope in this area. Because we've fallen, we've all fallen for the trap of changing everything else. We've all fallen for it. We've changed everything else multiple times. And we're still looking at ourselves in the mirror and we don't see the difference that we need to see because our hearts didn't change. 
Father God, in all of His grace and all of His love and through the Holy Spirit who's speaking to us now, He'll show you steps that you can take right now and moving forward to put Him closer to the center in your time, your talent, and your treasure so that He'll be closer to the center of your life. And as the Scripture told us a little bit ago, two different ways, said if the eye is healthy, the body will be healthy. And if we'll seek first the kingdom of God, He'll take care of all of our needs. God, we thank You for this Word today. We thank You for Your goodness. God, for those of us that are fearful, those of us that are not sure of what lies ahead, those of us facing mountains right now, God, I pray that we would know you're close. We love you, Jesus. As we worship, if there's something you need prayer for or you want to make, uh, you want to be ready to be baptized or, you, or you've accepted the Lord as your Savior, you can fill in those all-in cards. We'll have people up front here as we close that are wanting to pray with you. And as I've said before, the smart people ask for prayer. So come on up, let some people love on you, find out what's going on in your life, and then agree with you. They're not going to tell everybody else in the church what's going on. They're just going to care for you and pray with you so that you will know that you're not alone, and then you're going to trust God to meet your need. Let's worship.